make our way through this portion of the text of Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which hath been hid from, the, from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for your word and for its truth, and as we've just sung, how that it is your power by your spirit which you use to continually transform us, to conform us to the image of your Son. Lord, as you would work this process in our lives, may we be submissive to the hand of the heavenly great potter, and Lord, may we have hearts and minds and lives that are moldable and shapeable according to your will, according to your purpose. And Father, may you be glorified in and through our lives, individually as believers, as followers and disciples of Jesus Christ, and also collectively, corporately, as your body that you have called together. Lord, we just ask that you might use the time of, uh, that we've come to of the preaching of your word, and may we have hearts that are receptive and ready to hear, and Lord, as well, be transformed accordingly. Lord, we do pray for those who are away from us. There are many sick as, and, and those recovering from procedures and facing surgeries and procedures and difficulties. Lord, we pray that you might just bless them, Father, give them health, we pray, and restore them and bring them back again to fellowship with your body. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for its importance. I pray that we might have a growing understanding of that and that you would use the truth of your word to teach us these things, Lord, and to mold us accordingly. Thank you again for the time we have to open the word of God this morning. May we glean from the truth that Paul has written to the church of Colossae. May we understand the significance of this uh, mystery that you have now revealed to us, the Gentiles, those who do not deserve such mercy and grace. We ask this all according to your will and in your name. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. As I mentioned last week, within the remaining verses of this chapter, Paul explains the meaning of his statement in verse 25 concerning his part to fulfill the word of God, which sounds a little odd to hear that stated, of course, because God, as well as the afflictions of Christ, which were left behind for him, which sounds a little odd when you read that, yet we must understand what Paul is saying again and from a personal perspective. He is stating that there were afflictions for him personally to endure for the sake of Christ 
And as well, he had a part in the fulfillment of the gospel, in the proclamation of the gospel, and in the fulfillment of God's redemptive work, as it would in time be revealed as God would redeem men. And as Paul was sent to the Gentiles for this very purpose, and he says in verse 25 that he has this part to fulfill the word of God according to the dispensation or the stewardship of God which is given to me, Paul stated, or given to him. We discovered Paul's summarization of this responsibility and stewardship in verse 26 when Paul says, Even the mystery which hath, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So here in verse 26, as we have already studied this, we understand Paul is somewhat summarizing this, uh, both the afflictions that he was to endure, but also the ministry of the gospel to which God had called Paul specifically. And Paul declared that this mystery was made manifest to his saints. And this is a statement which brings us to contemplate and consider these truths as we examined them last week. And we began by looking at the wonder of this mystery. And the meaning of the word mystery, as I told you, is something not understood or something beyond understanding. And Paul begins in verse 26 by stating, by way of review, that this mystery was hidden. He said, the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations. Although this mystery was declared throughout the Old Testament, as we saw last week clearly, in this case, it was not that the mystery was not known, but it was that this mystery was beyond the understanding of those to whom the mystery was declared, as is the definition of the word mystery. And last week I pointed out several Old Testament passages which are explained in the New Testament. I'm not going to read through them all again. I wanted to last week for the sake of providing them for you and you seeing them actually, this mystery declared and stated throughout the Old Testament and then explained by being referenced within the New Testament that this is the very mystery of which was being spoken. And so we see this, again, I'll mention the references to you without reading the entirety of the text. Deuteronomy 32.21 is explained by Paul in Romans 10.19-20. Isaiah 65.1 is explained in Romans 9.30. Hosea 2.23 is explained in Romans 9.22-26. And so these passages are mentioned and explained throughout the text of Scripture. We find in New Testament the explanation of the Old Testament mystery that was declared. Then B, we see this mystery has now been manifested. Verse 26 goes on to say, But now is manifested to his saints. This mystery has now been clearly revealed, for it is Jesus who is the revelation of the mystery. This mystery is part of the eternal purpose of God, which he purposed in Jesus Christ, as Paul explained in Ephesians when speaking of the stewardship of the gospel which God had given him. In Ephesians 3.11, Paul writes in, in context of this stewardship given to him, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed, God purposed, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we're reminded again that Paul's ministry and Paul's afflictions as was appointed to him or ordained by God for him was all according to this eternal purpose of God which he had purposed in Jesus Christ. So having considered the wonder of this mystery as we have just reviewed and we saw more in detail uh, last week, this morning we will continue to see how Paul explains this mystery as it unfolds as we examine the beauty of this mystery and the glory of this mystery. That brings us now to first the wonder of the mystery, now the glory of the mystery, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, 
the hope of glory. This mystery, as I previously mentioned, is not a general explanation of the gospel, but it is rather a specific revelation of the gospel to the Gentiles or the grafting in of the Gentiles into the body of Christ. And this is the age-old. This is the timeless mystery. This is the wonder. Again, God's chosen people Israel. Gentiles were not a part of this. They were not a part of God's covenant. They were not a part of God's promises in the Old Testament throughout that time setting and that time frame. But yet, in the New Testament, we see that this mystery has now been revealed and that God has made us a part. He's grafted us in as Gentiles. But in this verse, we find that Paul specifically defines the mystery as such. This is the mystery. Verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Now, there are two important truths within this statement in verse 27, which Paul makes. And I want to begin with the second one, as we will focus more so on the first one in a few moments. So let's, let's do this a little backwards, if you will, for a moment, for the sake of how we are going to work through this text. He says, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So the second part of this I want to deal with first, which is the mystery is not only revealed to the Gentiles, but is revealed among the Gentiles. Now these are two different prepositions that are used in translating this truth into our English Bible, and I understand that, and hopefully you do as well. But prepositions do present different meanings or contexts. And so it's important to recognize while at this first, as this, while we first look at this statement that is made, it may not seem to have much significance, but it truly does. For consider this with me for a moment. It is one thing to make something known to someone, while it is another thing to demonstrate or make that same thing known among someone. I could tell you something and let you know something, but it's different for that to be demonstrated among you or from within you. And that is what's being stated here. So this mystery is not only revealed to the Gentiles, it's not something just declared to them. In other words, let me say it to you like this. Had it just been declared to them, that does not mean necessarily that any Gentile became a recipient of that which was declared. But it's not only been spoken to them, but it's been made known among them, from within the Gentile populace. This mystery has been revealed and made known in other words the mystery is realized among the Gentiles. Not just something that is proclaimed to them, but something that has been demonstrated and manifested, which is, of course, the gospel. And then we come to the second part, which is really the first in reality, because we're going to dig in somewhat right here, and that God would make the riches of the glory of this mystery known among the Gentiles. The mystery is that God would reveal himself, his redemption to the Gentiles through the manifestation of Christ. Yet, Paul continues to expound further upon this mystery by explaining that it was not only that God would reveal the gospel to the Gentiles, but what's more is that the Lord would reveal the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So once again, this is not just something that God is declaring to this people. It is that which he is demonstrating among and within this people. And furthermore, 
It's the riches of the glory of this mystery that is being revealed, that is being demonstrated among the Gentiles. The question which must be answered in, then is this. What are the riches of the glory of this mystery? And the noun riches simply means wealth, as you might imagine. And the noun glory is translated from the Greek word doxa. And if you understand or recognize that word, its root there, the doxology is from this word. And the doxology, of course, as we sing it many times, many times or often we have sung, is praise or glory, meaning praise and glory to God. So God would make known what is the riches, the wealth of the glory, this doxa, of the, this mystery among the Gentiles, the riches of his glory, of this mystery, is in reality, as we consider the doxology, again, we sing and we exhibit and demonstrate praise and glory to God because he's worthy of such. Well, the riches of his glory, of this mystery, is in reality a call for us to praise God from the depths of the wealth of this mystery, which has now been made known among us, the Gentiles. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18, Paul wrote, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Ephesians 3, 8 and 9, Paul says, Unto me, whom less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Romans nine twenty two through 24 What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Isn't it interesting? Paul wrote Romans, Paul wrote these words, and he says, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. He says, even us, whom he hath called. And so the Jews and Gentiles alike are those who are called of God. This mystery has now been revealed. And the depths of the riches of the glory of this mystery is not left for us to gaze and wonder what it is. But Paul has specifically defined in his next statement the depths of the riches of the glory of this mystery for which we should give glory to God as God has revealed this glory among us We should give glory and praise to him because he is worthy of such. And here is the depth. These are the depths of the riches of the glory of this mystery. Verse 27 again. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Here Paul provides the full disclosure of this mystery. It's glory and it's depths. Christ in you. I, I, 
what could be more profound? What would cause us from experiential sense to have a greater desire to give praise and glory to God than the reality that it is Christ in us? This is the revelation of the mystery. What truth could possibly bring you more joy than Christ in you? What thought could possibly be more comforting than that of Christ in you? What reality could be possible that would be more glorious than this truth, Christ in you. Christ in you. It is the single most important and glorious truth and reality any man could ever know. It is this truth that defines the very mystery of which Paul wrote. This is the mystery. By the way, this was also a mystery to the Jew. Not only pertaining to the Gentile but pertaining to the Jew himself. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, Paul already said, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. In the Old Testament, remember this, they did not have the indwelling spirit of God within them. And this mystery is that God is going to make a people who are not a people his people. God was going to make the Gentiles his people. He was going to indwell them with his spirit. Something that the Old Testament Jew could not even have an understanding of. And yet in the New Testament, both Jew and Gentile alike, those who are in Christ, now have Christ in them. This is the beauty. This is the glory. These are the depths of this mystery. Paul further emphasized this thought in his epistle to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians three sixteen through 19 when he said that he, God, would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Listen to these words. Let's, let's read that again because you need to listen to what's actually being written. Don't just hear it and let it be dismissed. Hear what Paul is saying, that he, God, would grant you, writing to Gentile believers primarily here, according to... To the riches of his glory. What Paul is dealing with in Colossians. The riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you. The riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. What is that? That is Christ in you. Then he goes on to say that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. It is Christ in you that is the breadth, that is the length, that is the depth, and that is the height of the fullness of not only the love of God, but of the fullness of God himself as he has dwelled within us by his Spirit through his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. This mystery 
is one which was hid from ages. It is one which we wonder at and which was wondered at for many years. It's timeless. It is eternal in reality, the purpose of God of this mystery. And now it has been revealed. And here is the glory of this mystery. Christ is in you. Nothing could be greater. Nothing. Nothing could be more glorious. Nothing could be more wonderful. Nothing could bring more comfort. Nothing could bring more joy. Nothing could bring more contentment than the truth that Christ is in you. Again, in verse 19, Paul says of Ephesians 3, to know the love of God, to know the love of Christ, I'm sorry, which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. But all this is by the, according to the riches of his glory, his spirit strengthened us in the inner man, Christ dwelling in our hearts, that we are able to comprehend with all saints the truth of the magnitude of this revealed mystery of Christ in you. Paul then completed his definition of this mystery by stating, verse 27 goes on to say, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We see here that Paul is stating the glorious truth of the revelation of this timeless mystery which God hath now revealed among the Gentiles, not only deserves the greatest praise and glory to God for having manifested such grace to us as Gentiles, but also is the truth upon which our life and our eternity is hinged. When he says, the hope of glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You know, so often we have limited, I believe, this statement, the hope of glory, in reference to heaven. And we think of it from the perspective of, I know I'm going to heaven because of Jesus dwelling in me. And that is true. But the revealed mystery is not simply one day I'm going to heaven. The revealed mystery is that it is Christ in you. This heaven is not the riches of the glory. Christ in you is the riches of the glory of this mystery. And so when we read the hope of glory... Let us not only think of the hope of heaven, as I think it's been often misunderstood or misstated, though that is true. It is my eternity and my life that is hinged on this very truth of Christ being in me. However, the confidence of knowing God's glory, the confidence of even giving God glory, is all rooted and hinged on the truth of Christ being in us. The confidence of glory. It's not something we just simply wish for or long for alone. It is something that we realize and are confident of because Christ is in us. I referenced this, I believe, last week. But it's interesting, in in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is writing, of course, to the church at Corinth. And he says to them in verse Seven, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, the Lord of glory does not, again, just mean the Lord of heaven. You have to 
do not always just associate glory in itself with heaven as a place. It is the very person and presence of God himself, the glory of his very being, the essence of who he is, the glory of God. And the riches of the glory of this mystery is Christ in you, the revealed glory of God in you. That's what Paul is saying. Because in the face of Jesus Christ, the glory of God is revealed. Paul goes on to say, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory, but verse 9, and again, a verse that is often quoted, often misused. But as it is written, now he's referencing Old Testament where he says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And immediately again, most minds go to heaven. Oh, there awaits for us something beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. And yes, it is true that heaven will be beyond what we could ever imagine for it to be. But look at the next statement in verse 10. This is Old Testament being quoted, I had not seen, ear had not heard, as it is written. Neither entered in the heart of men the things which God had prepared for them that love him. Old Testament statement. Old Testament time. Old Testament truth. It was a mystery that had not yet been revealed. That's what he's saying. But look at the next statement. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep Things of God. What is Paul talking about? This mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in you. That which has been hid, that which has been not understood all throughout ages past has now been revealed through the person, through the sacrifice, through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious resurrection. And now we have Christ within us. And this is the glory of the mystery. Oh, the riches. And I will say something to you that may sound a little odd, but it is true. So many today do not have any understanding of the glory of the riches and depths of this mystery because all they look at is what they think they're going to have in the future and eternity, and they miss to see that it is Christ who is the true treasure. We run the race not to receive heaven, not to receive some reward alone, but we run the race because Christ is the reward. And we know him and see him through his word revealed. And we begin to appreciate and we begin to truly thank God and praise God because of the revelation of this glory, of this mystery, the depths of the riches of God in Jesus Christ, the unsearchable riches of God in Jesus Christ, as we've read moments ago by Paul's writing. The glorious truth of the revelation of this timeless mystery which God has now revealed among the Gentiles, Christ in you, not only deserves the greatest praise and glory to God for having manifested such grace to us as Gentiles, but also this is the very truth again which our life, our existence, our purpose, our eternity is hinged. In other words, to simplify what I just said, the very basis of our entire existence rests in this truth. Christ in you. I want to give you a little further insight to where we will be next week, Lord willing, as I conclude this morning, because there's much more to deal with than I have time to do so today. 
But we will plan to conclude our study of this chapter and Paul's explanation of his stewardship and the mystery of the gospel. Such an important truth as we have looked at this morning calls Paul to remain intentional in his responsibility concerning the revelation of this mystery as Paul further declared his commitment to the stewardship of the mystery. Look at verses 28 and 29. And we're not going to really deal with these. I'm going to mention a few things and we'll be finished. Whom we preach, Paul says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who do we preach? Christ. Whom we preach. We preach Christ warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Paul's commitment to his part in the revelation of this mystery was unparalleled. Paul desired that Christ be revealed in every man. Do you see that? Notice what he says. Whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man, that we may present every man. Paul explains he was committed to warn every man. He was committed to teach every man. He was committed to present every man perfect in Christ. Perfect meaning mature in Christ. Paul further explained verse 29, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. We will discover as we work through this portion of the text how Paul expounds on the power behind his commitment and ability to continue to fulfill the word of God as a steward of the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is no wonder that Paul was committed to his part to fulfill the word of God when we consider and understand the glory of this timeless mystery. Christ in you, the hope and confidence of glory. God the Father truly deserves our praise and all the glory for who he is, but also for revealing the depths of this mystery of Christ in you among us, the undeserving, the unworthy, the unregenerate Gentiles. And so I conclude simply by going back to the truth of what the Scripture states. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Thank God for this revealed mystery in us, which is Christ. Isn't it amazing how easily it seems to be that we men are prone to overlook the true treasure and be distracted by so many other things. This just came to mind. I was not intending on even saying this, but it just came to mind when I made that statement. Some years back, I heard Woodrow Kroll, sometime back, uh, give this illustration, which I think is very fitting with the statement I just made, that people become very distracted by what's truly important. There was a man who had died, and he had uh, many paintings of a very wealthy man, and he had much artwork, and he had one painting that was of his family that he, held, that he hung over his mantle of his son. His son, actually, it was he and his son, I believe, or just his son, and his son had, had died in a war, a heroic death, and, his, and that relationship was very precious to him, and he had this painting, and it, held, it was hung over his mantle. And it was, it was just a painted portrait of his son, It was not by some famous well-known painter. It was just something that was precious to this man. Well, the man died. 
And at his death, of course, there was an auction. And in the auction, there were all of these paintings worth millions of dollars, multi-millions of all of these paintings that existed by this man he collected over, the, over many years. And among them was the painting of his son, which was monetarily worthless and of no value at all. And so all of these art collectors and businesses gathered for this auction because of the value of the painting, wanting to take advantage of that to get them as they could. And so as the auction begins, uh, the auctioneer begins first with the painting of the sun. And of course, there's no one there among the many art collectors who bid anything at all. It was, it, they didn't care about that. They wanted to get to the good pieces, the famous artists, and, and the pieces that were collectibles of artists that have already died, and valuable pieces. And so as, as the auctioneer begins to auction off, he says, we, you know, we need to begin with this piece that was in the will uh, for the auction. This piece is the first to be bid on. And so while everyone sat there silently, one man uh, who was uh, a friend of this man he raised his hand, and he wasn't a wealthy man, and he made some bid, I don't know, $100. And the auctioneer says, is there another bid? And there's absolute silence. Nobody wants it. Just let's move on. And then you hear some rumbling among the room as it was told that, you know, people are saying, let's get on to the good stuff. And so as the auctioneer asks again, is there another bid? There's silence, no bid. Let's get on. Move on to the good paintings. To the artwork. So the auctioneer says, going once, going twice, sold, $100. Immediately says, auction is closed. And when he made the statement, everyone's in an uproar now saying, what is going on? It was in the will. Whoever received the painting of his son received it all. And the fact of the matter is, it is in Christ that God has given us everything. And while so many reject and so many dismiss the beauty and the glory that is in Jesus Christ, being enamored by all the stuff or being enamored by all the things otherwise desiring all of this, the treasure is in Christ, for it is in Christ that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. And those who receive Christ have received it all. How wonderful and beautiful and glorious is this mystery of Christ in you. Let's stand together. Father.